3: Professor Kinsella. Dr Ennis, how's it going? How are you? I'm very well. It's a very stormy night tonight. It is absolutely blowing the heck outside. Yeah, I feel like
1: I'm in uh, a pirate ship. The shed is creaking so much. (laughs) (laughs)
3: It's
1: a bit freaky, it is. But uh, yeah, nice to be nice and warm.
3: Collie, you owe us a story about a spider and your shed and a jar. Remember?
1: Oh my God, my wee jar. (laughs)
3: You need to tell us a story.
1: Are we actually going to do this?
3: We are going to do this. <laughs> oh,
1: no. I just want to talk about ladybirds tonight. I wasn't. We get to the ladybirds.
3: We this, talk about this your lady bits secret. first. Go on.
1: Yeah, my shed is away from the house, obviously, and I spend a lot of time out here working. So sometimes nature calls, and I end up like with. Cages half open, or especially if I'm using fruit fly or small crickets, and I'm trying to feed animals, they'll get out and they'll be bouncing everywhere. Yeah. So to save time, I had a jar that I kept in the shed that I <laughs> would wee in, and then I could pour <laughs> pour it into plants or something outside. And uh, a couple of weeks ago, a nature called. I picked up the jar. <laughs> I went to direct uh, the the <laughs> the area into the jar. <laughs> And a false widow spider jumped out and crawled up my willy, (laughs) which is fucking terrifying. Oh, Jesus. Yeah, I know. (laughs) I literally nearly died. (laughs) And I was like, holy shit. So, yeah, that plan of uh, doing that is kind of now... been cast aside <laughs> and I can't believe I'm admitting to this on a fucking podcast but yeah so no more of that um, I think I'm just going to go to the toilet as normal the health and on. safety
3: assessment um, wasn't quite up to scratch for that one
1: yeah it seems like when you have a healthy population of different species of spider breeding in the shed and, and using every utensil they can have to make webs it's probably not a good idea to be whipping your willy out to have a week. <laughs> <laughs>
3: And with that, we're off. We're off, we're back.
1: (laughs) (laughs) My God, that was out of left field. Um, What was I going to say? Yeah, I was thinking we would talk today a little bit about a fairly common um, beetle that we see around our gardens and a really useful little creature. But a lot more interesting than people give it credit for. And it's the ladybird. Yeah, um, ladybugs, obviously, in the... uh, United States for the tree listeners we have over there, we call them lady boards or lady beetles. And that's like throughout different languages. Even the Germans have a lady beetle name for it. And, and the reason for that is one was that early statues and depictions of Mary, the mother of Jesus, would have had that kind of red cloak, red, red cloak around her. And then another reason is because sometimes the crops would be invaded by aphids and other bugs that were harming the crops. And of course, people would pray mm-hmm. to Our Lady uh, for assistance mm-hmm. in this matter. And you would get swarms of these hungry beetles showing up. Yeah. And eating all the pests. Yeah. So again, they were associating the beetle with Mary. So it's two kind of interesting uh, myths. I don't know how much truth there there is in it, but yeah,
3: very interesting. Well, the other story that I heard about where the ladybird got the name is... There's lots of different species of ladybird and we go through them in a minute, but there's one species that has apparently seven spots on it.
1: Mm -hmm. That's our most common one.
3: And the other story that I heard about where the name comes from is that, yes, the red colour represents the cloak of the Virgin Mary, which she used to wear Mm -hmm. or be depicted wearing in older paintings and statues. And apparently the seven dots also represented the seven sorrows and the seven joys of the Virgin. So that was it as well. Yeah, that's right. That takes me right back to Catholic school. Yeah, but I love the I love ladybirds because they're like a gateway insect into appreciating insects. If you're not into them already, because they're just very beautiful. True. And like I never I I always was wary about having Insects may be crawling over my hand just a little bit, but for some reason, ladybirds never. Um, you, And that made it, once you sort of started interacting with ladybirds, it became a bit easier to interact with other insects. For me anyway, I found, you know, they're just so gorgeous. But come here, I have a book in front of me that, uh, that Leo gave me with all sorts of information about ladybirds. And I didn't know that there's so many different species.
1: Yeah, there's over 6,000 recorded now.
3: Like they're all colours.
1: Yeah. Wow. And most of them, most of them aren't what we would consider your typical lady, ladybird or ladybug. There's all sorts of blacks and yellows and white spots and and brown spots. Stripes even. And some of them are quite plain looking. And to a non-entomologist, it's very easy to confuse them with other beetles. Yeah. And it's also very easy to confuse other beetles with ladybugs because... Because of convergent evolution, because of animals that do this, uh, similar things end up looking similar. Yeah, You can have things like tortoise beetles, which aren't actually part of the ladybird family, but they look exactly like them because they kind of live in this similar habitat and do a similar thing. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, there really is a massive variation in, in ladybird species. It, it's really cool.
3: Can we call them ladybirds? I just think it's much more...
1: I think we're going to call them lady. (laughs) We call them ladybirds.
3: They're so much more elegant than to (laughs) be be called bugs.
1: (laughs) Uh, Yeah.
3: So, um, what did you say? Five thousand species? Well, there's
1: over five thousand. I'm Touching on six thousand at the moment, but of course, like everything else, wow, you're going to find we're finding new insects all the time. So that number is probably just scratching the surface. So yeah, it's really cool. And and most of them are like really useful kind of. beetles as well because they generally are predators especially the ones we be you know familiar with like the seven spot you were talking about earlier on yeah it's the gardener's friend it's the one that eats the the aphids and takes out all those pest species and that's the same for nearly all of them yeah but there are species of of uh, ladybirds that are actually pest species so like the mexican bean beetle is a one of the ladybird families and that eats basically crops it doesn't eat the pests on the crops it actually is a herbivore and it will eat all these various crops that the poor farmers will you know be tilling their fields with and they kind of Hmm. they get to plague proportions and they can be quite devastating so they're not completely without sin but in general they are predatory beetles and, and quite voracious predators too Are they carnivores? Yeah there's a thing about their diet that it's been investigated lately and it's still under investigation but they were always assumed to be completely carnivorous eating the the ones we'd be more familiar with, like the seven spot or the harlequin, the invasive one that's at the company.
3: Yeah.
1: It was assumed that they were aphid eaters and predators of, you know, uh, other beetle, lava, caterpillar eggs, small caterpillars, stuff like that. Mm. But now uh, they've examined their stomach contents and they found everything from pollen to resin to other different stuff. So they seem to be kind of slightly more omnivorous than we would have first believed, but in general yeah, as a rule, they will be considered carnivores. So, so, pretty useful little bugs to have in your greenhouse.
3: God, you don't have a steady hand now to find the stomach of a ladybird open it and figure out what's inside that's amazing don't ask
1: me how they do I just I just read the papers I don't know how they do yeah I suppose it's like my pal my pal's up in the in the venom lab taking the the venom out of uh, tiny spiders so yeah yeah steady hands all around very steady
3: hand. The ladybirds that I know from my garden when I was growing up were the ones with the red back and they had black spots on them. So how many species do we actually have in Ireland, you know, or this part of the world?
1: Well, in the UK, there's 26 species. In Ireland, we go up and down between them because we do have species show up uh, from time to time. I think it's between 16 and 19 at the moment. But um, kind of we get, as usual, thrown in with the UK. So yeah, around 26 species. But then we have like introduced species like the harlequin uh, ladybird, which is brought over from Asia and has basically become an ecological disaster because it's outcompeting our native species and eating them. Right. So that's going to be here forever. There's no way you're going to get rid of it. Yeah. And another one of those unfortunate disasters that we made, well-intentioned disasters because they were introduced because they breed so readily to greenhouses to be kind of a biological control as opposed to a chemical control. So it was well-intentioned. Yeah. But unfortunately, it doesn't always work. Like our pals, the cane toads we talked about not so long ago.
3: Yeah. So when we were growing up, you know, big back garden and stuff, you're always out playing and whatever. And our dad growing the veggies and the roses always told us that um, ladybirds are really good for a garden. And but is it aphids that they like to eat or is it other stuff that they uh, that they eat? Yeah, aphids and scale bugs.
1: So it's all those little creatures that kind of would feed on your, your roses. And yeah. That's what they're after. Mm. It's a re- here's a really cool thing that you probably didn't know about. <laughs> ladybirds are actually in, they're actually in space. In 1999, they were brought onto the uh, the space shuttle for an experiment for them. Wow. Oh. And the reason why they did that was because in the wild, in nature, and in, 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 like, in normality, when aphids are being chased by ladybirds up uh, a stalk of a plant, the aphid will react by basically jumping off the plant, just letting gravity take it, take it out of harm's way. Yeah. So it will kind of just let go of the branch and fall down and get away from Mr. or Mrs. Uh, Ladybird. Yeah. So NASA, as an experiment in conjunction with some of the schools in the U.S., decided to see what would happen and how that that natural kind of predator-prey relationship will be affected by zero gravity. So they brought the aphids up on plants and they brought four ladybirds up with them and they called the four ladybirds um, after the beetles, which is brilliant. I thought it was a really nice touch. (laughs) And the experiment showed that these, uh, John Paul and Ringo and their gang were actually... Still able to hunt, even though it was in zero gravity, they were still able to hunt and catch the aphids, wow. even though the aphids, when they let go of the branch, were kind of floating off around these little tubes they had them in. Wow! So yeah, it was uh, an interesting experiment, and I suppose uh, it it was it, it, very interactive because uh, schools in the US could actually follow the experiments on the internet. So it was kind of. Uh, yeah, it was a nice little touch and I, I enjoyed the fact that they called them after the Beatles as well, really. Yeah. Oh,
3: that's just brilliant. It's a good
1: touch, yeah. But
3: yeah, Beatles in space. Beatles in space.
1: An interesting thing, an interesting experiment you can do in your back garden. If, if you find an aphid in your back garden or if you find an aphid colony and you come across some ladybirds, an interesting thing, aside from watching them hunt, which is fascinating, is if you can get hold of... Uh, the ladybird, after it's finished having its snack and Mm. put it on your hand or on your arm, you'll notice that it instinctively goes up. Oh, It keeps walking up and that's just something they do. So they just keep going to the highest point. That's right, they do. Yeah, the highest point. So you'll see that it will go up to the highest point in your hand and if you hold it in a light breeze or even if you were to blow on its back, an amazing thing happens. The wing casing... Which is its back, which is where we'd see the red and the black spots. that actually opens up, and you'll see two wings pop out like origami. It's incredible
3: Aww. and it will
1: take off like a tiny helicopter um it's it, it's really cool to do, especially if you have uh, young kids to show them that, and anyone can do it just pop it, pop the beetle on your hand, yeah. 50% of the time 60% of the time it will actually behave Wow! in this way and it will do it. it's it's a really uh, awesome looking little experiment and there's something magic about watching it take off into the air
3: because it looks like it shouldn't be able to fly I mean it just looks like the wrong shape to fly
1: yeah as a kid the first time I was showing that I was blown away I was like this is amazing I can't believe that especially because wow. it looks almost robotic
3: yeah it looks like a, a toy you get out of um, like a kinder egg or something or a kinder surprise isn't it exactly and with those bright colours
1: of course those, those beautiful bright colours to us are actually something completely di- different in nature yeah. and what they're basically saying to any potential predators like birds or frogs or anything that could have a, a snap at it is I don't taste nice and right. how the lady board will kind of protect itself is it will actually pump out nauseous chemicals and toxins through the joints gaps in the joints in its legs. Oh, wow. So if anything was to bite onto it, it really tastes nasty. And animals tend to remember those bright colours. It's why wasps are very brightly coloured and poison dart frogs are very brightly coloured. Those bright colours will teach animals a lesson. Yeah. And they'll kind of instinctively know I'm not to go near anything that looks like this. And actually, there's an Asian species of orb-weaver spider that actually mimics. It looks exactly like... Uh, a ladybird it has the same spots and the same kind of coloration, but it's a spider. Oh, yeah. It's it's so
3: like it, piggybacking on the um on the colors. Yeah.
1: Piggybacking on the success of their self-defense mechanisms. Yeah. Like, I mean, at this time of year, you'll get a lot of people are going to be up chopping their Christmas trees. Um, yeah. There's a lot of places, farms you can go and chop your Christmas tree and bring them in. And here's a fascinating thing. When when the temperatures get low around this time of year, swarms and swarms of ladybirds of all different types of species will gather together in hills and crevices up and away from the gardens and the the valleys where they would feed during the the warmer months and they go up to these places and a lot of these places obviously are growing christmas trees and, and stuff like that so you will get press reports and anecdotal evidence of people bringing these christmas trees into their house unbeknownst to them under some leaves and in the on the the trunk of the tree there might be a couple of hundred or even a thousand. Ladybirds gathered up in these massive, like hibernation crews, where they're all kind of hanging around together. And is
3: that a is that a, a way to survive? Like, to, do they keep warm that way, or it's a way to
1: survive? It's it's a, it's a
3: natural behavior yeah. to
1: help them survive because they can kind of all gather together their safety in numbers. But also, as soon as the temperature gets high enough, you have instant access to mates. Okay, and then you are able to breed straight away. There's no wasting time. They wake up. They have a big old ladyboard orgy right. and then they head off back down to lay their eggs. And the funny thing is, imagine you bring this Christmas tree full of these sleeping ladyboards into your house who are nice and cool and uh, sedated and then you put them in put your, your Christmas tree lights on in your hot room and next minute your room is completely covered in these starving <laughs> thousands of these starving ladybirds that start like kind of nipping at you and, and, and looking for food and sex hungry and sex hungry yeah <laughs> R- randy starving ladybirds invade people's <laughs> homes there's a feckin there's a great uh, headline for us for our, our pals in the media but
3: I, I it's funny like I'm I'm uh... Always surprised, and I don't know why I am, but I'm always surprised to hear when insects hibernate. So if they hibernate, how long does a ladybird actually live? It's species specific.
1: But the ones we would have locally here will be one to two years. Oh, really? And that's generally it. And they basically kind of sleep through one or two winters yeah. in order to mate or breed. And then that's kind of their their cycle done and dusted with. Yeah. So it's a short and hungry and eventful existence. Yeah. And here's a great one. We, we talked about, uh, oh, Mac back in the early days of the critter shed, we talked about tropic eggs. Yeah. Eggs that were laid infertile eggs that were laid so other young could eat them basically. Yeah. And that's something that ladybirds actually engage in. So the mother will lay... Do they? Yeah, depending on how fat she is or how well she's been fed she'll lay between you know 10 to 20 eggs. Yeah. If there's a very low supply of aphids that year she will leave half of them infertile to give the, the young something to eat. But if there's a high supply of aphids she'll Make sure that they're all fertilized. She can kind of decide which way she wants to go, which is a really interesting little trick that they can pull.
3: That's amazing.
1: Yeah. And you get actually plagues of ladybirds. Like we were talking about when the people... May or may not have named them after the Virgin Mary. The Virgin Mary because they prayed to her. Yeah. But those stories aren't just, don't, that part of the story is made up. If there is a very high number of aphids in any given season, Yeah. 1979 in England or 78 or 79, if you look that up and look up Ladybird Plague, you'll actually hear stories because it was such a hot and damp year. It was perfect for aphids. Yeah. So the Ladybird numbers developing from the eggs into adults, went through the roof and there was literally thousands, hundreds of thousands of them plaguing people. Wow. And eventually, when you get to those large numbers, they finish off all the aphids and then they start becoming a little bit annoying to people because they will actually give you a nip when they're starving. Oh. They're not trying to eat you, but they're trying to just gather any nutrients they can. Yeah. So they'd be tasting salt on your arm and they'd be trying to have a little nip of that. So, yeah, yeah they, they can actually become... Like a plague uh,
2: numbers, which is crazy. I was trying to think. Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both,
3: About the last time I saw a ladybird, and honestly, I can't remember when was the last time I saw one. I mean, when we were kids, they were everywhere. They were always landing on your hands and you'd see them crawling up the roses. But like, how are they doing? How are the numbers? Um,
1: It's a mixed bag. There was a survey done there a couple of years ago in the UK and Ireland. Yeah. And some of the native... um, ladybird species aren't doing great because of the evasives, because of climate change, because of habitat, because some of them will be very specialised. So some of their habitats have been messed up, you know? Yeah. So there was a decline about 20% in the native species, but there's been an increase in species like the, the harlequin and the pine ladybird. So, you know, it, it is a mixed bag and you will see into the future ladybirds in general aren't going anywhere because the Harlequin is doing so well, but our our, our smaller and our you know more delicate uh, native species, some of them might have to be uh, looked after a little bit more because they they are dropping in numbers. I uh, the last time I've seen ladybirds was all throughout this summer because I was working with Trinity College doing an audit of a person not too far away from you. Ah, my neighbour. Yeah, the president of Ireland, his house. So we're in uh, the Oris, which is the president's uh, house and gardens. Mm-hmm. And he had asked the college to go out there and and basically see what's living on his grounds. Yeah. And they have an organic garden, a walled garden that does only organic crops and, and, and various vegetables and fruits. It's really good. And that place, when I say it was ladybird town. It was just crawling with them.
3: Wow. It was
1: incredible. And you see all the stages of the ladybird's life. So Gosh. they have a very interesting life cycle. You, Those adults that breed off in the hills uh, or where they're in their cracks and in the walls where they're hiding away over the winter, yeah. when they breed, they instantly go to places where they know there's going to be aphids and they'll, they'll taste the air and, 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 and find them. And then they'll lay their eggs, as I said, and the eggs will hatch out into these creatures that look more like the alien facehugger from yeah. from Aliens, the movie, wow. than actual ladybirds. So these kind of tubular, small, soft-bodied uh, little insects with six legs, very fast, ferocious predators. And they hatch out. And within 14 days, they'll go through four molts, mm. which is basically shedding their skin. And then they'll go into a pupa, wow. a pupa, which kind of... Looks, if you were to look at it, it would look like a board dropping, which is part of its defense mechanism. Yeah. So no one's going to come up and nibble at it. And then a couple of days after that, they'll emerge from the pupa as a very yellow to white looking ladybird. No pattern, no marks on it. Very yellow, white, plain kind of creamy color. And it will sit out in the sun, in the in the warm sun, and over a couple of hours to a couple of days, that beautiful colour of red and the pattern of the dots ah. will, f- will form up, and its shell will hard up, and then it goes off and it starts hunting. And it's such a fast and wow. aggressive life cycle. It's really cool to uh, to watch it. And as I said, when we were going around the college or the not the college, the the, Oris. the Oris, we were amazed at the. You know, seeing so many different stages of the life cycle and seeing them all yeah. doing their little thing and uh, really took me back. And again, this is something you won't see in people's gardens anymore because we're all using, you know, pesticides and yeah, spraying our roses down with, with these chemicals to kill off aphids rather than allowing our... Insect allies to come along, yeah, and do that work for us, and they will, they will if you give them a chance. And mm. um, there's ways of removing aphids by hand, but using a little cloth, yeah. Until you see, um, you'll see ladybirds arriving, and then they'll they'll stick around, and then they'll lay their eggs, and you'll get more and more of them. And they have a remarkable sense of direction, and and. They can find a way back to places as well, like their hibernating spots. So it, yeah, it's worth giving them a chance to get into your garden if you if you are growing stuff that gets butchered by um, aphids.
3: They have a huge appetite, don't they? They eat like I, I don't know how many squillions of aphids in their lifetime.
1: Thousands upon thousands. Like they really are like an eating machine. It's just like it, they're almost like they, they they need these kind of massive amounts to of food to just survive and just to to keep going because they're again such a high energy life so fast and and, and to get all that those fat reserves built up as well for you know the insect equivalent of fat but you know what I mean those energy reserves built up for for those long sleeps that they have over the winter before mating starts again so yeah it's a a crazy existence for them but you know, a very successful one.
3: And um, they have a particular way of defending themselves, don't they?
1: They do. They have that, that I was talking about that chemical bang that they give off, that horrible secretion, secretion that they leak out through their, the joints in their legs, basically. Oh, right. If you were to pick one up and put it in your mouth, it would taste like... I wouldn't.
3: There's no, you know, I wouldn't. Take, <laughs> I taste simply wouldn't. I mean, I'm assuming.
1: It would be, it'd be horrible.
3: But have you ever had that? Like, would it burn you if it was on your hand or something or if it just accidentally leaked out? Have you ever experienced that? People can have re- uh, alleged reactions to
1: the the blood... Oh, right. uh, it can give them a rash and they can get re- uh, have a reaction to the bite, believe it or not. So, um, oh. yeah, they're not without sin, but in general, they're very harmless. <laughs> they're and here's a, <laughs> here's a good way of spotting... Here's a good way of spotting that uh, the Harley Quinn ladybird, because Harley Quinn ladybirds aren't like... Yeah, they... they the, the harlequin ladybirds aren't like our, our native species in the fact that our native species tend to have like the seven spot will always have seven spots. Okay, yeah. The 12 spot or the 10 spot will always have they, they're very structured and, and kind of they look similar with small variations. Harlequins can be anything from you know brown to black to red and, and just anything in between. They have all these weird kind of colours and it's quite odd but what they all have is a Mark on their head, the head part in inverted commas, the front of their, just in front of the, the red, where we would see the red wing casings. Yeah. They'll either have a W, a W shape or an M.
2: Ah. Check
1: it out online. Look up Harlequin Ladybird and you'll see it. And it's very, very clear. It looks like a W or an M, depending which way you're looking at wow. it. Wow. But it's a really good way, a really easy way of spotting them. And if you do spot one of them, you don't have to feel so guilty about squishing it if you want it Okay. Because they are, they are... uh knocking our, our native species on the head. Again, not their fault that they were poor here, but...
3: I've just um, Googled a picture there and it is such a clear M. So it's like the headpiece has... Um, isn't it amazing, isn't it? It almost looks yeah. like a collar or something. It's, it's got a white background and that black M, very, very clear. That's amazing. Isn't it? And
1: it's like it's almost like a superhero logo or something. It's like stands out. It's exactly what yeah, it looks it's like. it's really, really cool.
3: It's exactly what it looks yeah. like. Yeah.
1: Or the villain. Yeah, so that's the the, the villain. Of the <laughs> but again, come here. Look at the end of the day, they 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 were introduced to do a job, and they've been doing it. Yeah. Unfortunately, they're just doing it too well. They're yeah. They're they're predating on on non Harlequin species, and that includes our native uh, ladybug young and, and their eggs so yeah. that's what happened there. You know.
3: So come here, if we do happen to find a cluster of horny hungry ladybirds in our Christmas trees and there are suddenly hundreds of these creatures in our houses, what do you do with them? Well
1: if you did see them starting to move obviously they'll warm up very quickly uh, 16 degrees will, will start them to kind of get moving and get in the mood. The best thing to do is get them straight back out into a cool area of the house Um. <laughs> if you if you're if you're very ethical, you could just leave them outside, and they'll go back to sleep and stay there until the the winters are over.
3: So they so they can survive outside in the cold. If it's
1: they can, yeah, they're perfectly adapted to do that. That's that's what they're in. And if they wake up with, on a warm sunny day, even outside, and you know the way our weather does fluctuate during the winters, yeah. So if it gets to a certain level of warmth they'll actually come out from cracks in walls or in branches on trees and actually sun themselves during the winter just to get their energy levels up and move around a little bit but then they'll go right back in as soon as it um as soon as it cools down they need a sustained long amount of heat and sunlight to really set them off on that breeding and getting back to laying eggs and feeding kind of mold mm.
3: so um they're amazing little creatures, and like I say, when we were growing up, our dad, our yeah, dad used to tell us that they were nice and good, and they were our mates and all that. And I guess when you when you think about what they do, they eat um, aphids and pests. It's no wonder that in a lot of cultures they're associated with with look. So I remember uh, when I moved to Germany in 1990 in May. Um, that was a time when in the sweet shops you'd see all these miniature chocolate ladybirds. And they were called uh, Glückskäfer, which means, you know, lucky beetles. Oh, wow. Because they were considered good looks. Very good. So the the German word is Marienkäfer, which means Marion or Mary beetle. But um, apparently in a lot of cultures, because of that, they are considered good luck. And I'm just, I did a, a bit of rooting around to see if there were any stories associated with ladybirds. And apparently in the 1800s, Some doctors used to use ladybirds to treat measles. No way. Yeah, and also some rogue dentists, probably in the 1800s as well, they would mash up ladybirds and put them into a cavity to stop a toothache. Probably with the chemicals they release, it might have actually worked. You never know. Yeah.
1: You never know. That's true. Do you know there's actually wines as well? I couldn't believe this. And I only found that out Um, there's wines that are actually marked with ladybird taint because when they're taking the grapes... Off the wine and squishing them up, they squish up the ladybirds inside them, and the chemicals that they release actually add this taint, <laughs> this flavour to the wine. Oh wow! Which, which, yeah, I think is yeah, it's very, very funny. So yeah, I kind of put you off though a bottle of plonk when you think you're 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 drinking ladybird juice.
3: <laughs> Nothing will put me off a bottle of plonk. Sorry, no, I'm cool with <laughs> that.
1: Who's your brother? Yeah, me and you would just knock that back. <laughs> ladybird juice, brilliant.
3: I found another piece of information that you might like about ladybirds. Hit me up. According to a Norse legend, ladybirds came to Earth riding on a bolt of lightning. Now that's rock and roll for you.
1: That's rock and roll. That's that's Odin's son. That's brilliant. I like that. That is Odin's son. That's brilliant. Yeah. So I, you wouldn't think that there's so much um, information and, and very cool little tidbits about you know the unassuming. Ladybird that you find in yeah. your back garden. So yeah, yeah I'm, I, I, that's why I was saying we have to talk about these guys. They're just awesome little animals.
3: Yeah. So yeah. One more story about ladybirds. Far away. Apparently, in Switzerland, people used to tell their kids that babies were delivered by ladybirds. <laughs>
1: they, they must have had small kids over there.
3: <laughs> you wouldn't think that <laughs> until the storks came in and stole all the jobs. All their jobs. <laughs> They're taking our jobs.
1: Yeah. Brilliant,
3: brilliant. (laughs) So, Carly, that is amazing with the Ladybirds. But now we have our new segment called...
1: It's Crazy Critter News, Crazy Critter News. You'll think you're on the booze with this Crazy Critter News.
3: So what have you got for us this time on Crazy Critter News, Collie?
1: Apart from making everyone's ears bleed with my terrible singing. Yeah, <laughs> this week, um, some scientists, as, as we always talk about, some scientists, generic scientists have come up with uh, a really cool use of Our old pals, the Komodo dragons, their blood. Oh. Yeah. So, Komodo dragons have been around like crocodiles, like snakes. They've been around for millions and millions of years. And during that time, obviously, they built up a really strong defense against various strains of bacteria, the horrible stuff they live in, in swampy, muddy areas covered in feces and all sorts of gack. Um, (laughs) So, they have this really, really strong uh, immune system. So, basically... What scientists have done is they've studied the dragon's blood and not killing the dragons now, but just taking samples of it and synthesizing the elements of their blood that are effective in the defense against all sorts of bacteria, right. particularly the strong bacteria we're finding in our hospitals that is antibacterial resistant. So this is amazing. And this is like taking Ch- Charlie Sheen's massive breakdown to a new level where he was screaming about having tiger blood. Now you can go in and go, I want some
3: dragon blood. <laughs> now,
1: it's, o- it's only in its infancy, this research. But I think it's a really cool thing because when you think about it, these dragons live vicious, hard, hard lives, and the same with crocodilians and 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 snakes. Where, like crocodiles, you'll see them with their arms ripped off and t- chunks of their tail mi- missing, or their jaw half their jaw missing, but healed up perfectly well, despite the fact that they're living in these stagnant, rotten pools, mm. festering with all these bugs. So, to get that reptilian trait, that uh, ability to wipe out or to de- defend your body against these nasty pathogens, is brilliant it's probably going to be 10 years down the line yeah wow because it takes a lot of research obviously they're going to have to test it on uh, uh, and make sure that it's not harmful to us but it's showing great promise at the moment because they've been using it in in lab tests in petri dishes and such and it's been knocking some of these nasty pneumonias that they people just can't survive it's been knocking them on the head so it's uh yeah crazy critter news is is (laughs) is really good this week it's a positive bit of uh, crazy critter news so yeah
3: All hail Komodo dragon wow All hail
1: the mighty dragons and give me that dragon blood please that's what we should call (laughs) (laughs) the ladybird infested wine give me a shot of that dragon blood
3: (laughs) Speaking of which I'm off to have a glass of wine with or without ladybirds what are you doing this evening?
1: I'm going to have some uh Druid cider which is uh, not quite dragon's blood but it is 6% I'm going to knock some of that back so yeah excellent enjoy and listen that was a great chat
3: that was brilliant thank you so much for that ladybirds god you got to love them i love them even more now just before we completely sign off on this episode we have a very quick word from our friends at Dublin Zoo Hi, my name is Brendan Welsh and I'm a zookeeper at Dublin Zoo. If you have some spare money, I'm asking you if you could help us out with our hashtag SaveDublinZoo campaign. Unfortunately, we're hitting some financially tough times and we'd be really grateful for your help. If you visit dublinzoo.ie, you can donate, adopt an animal, fundraise, or even buy a hoodie. We'd be really grateful for your help to help our zoo and to help our
1: conservation projects, of which we have 25 going in the wild. Thank you so much. The Critter Shed is part of The Warren, the home of great Irish podcasts, as is my podcast, Meet Your Maker. You can find more great shows at thewarren.ie.